D. Smith, welcome in. It's the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast brought to you by Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista. It is also brought to you by Sport Clips, where it is good to be a guy. Darren, it is lovely to see you. It is a Tuesday afternoon. I have no idea what the date is, um, but I do know that it's a Tuesday afternoon. So happy Tuesday to you. Yeah. Happy Tuesday to you. It's funny you say that, you know, I do a couple of radio shows and I did one today and I started by saying it's a Wednesday. So I was all fucked up earlier. Just a nightmare day on the radio. For those that listen, you will have known what it is I'm talking about, but yes, it is great to see you. And I was trying to think, I was just trying to do the math in my head. It's October 20th. It's a Tuesday night. I was trying to do the math in my head when last we saw one another, it would have been a Torero stadium. Mm-hmm. for a match that is still impacting the USL though this time in its playoff format in its playoff bracket but think about that you know we've done a podcast since and we went on a little bit of a hiatus so we had a chance to kick back take a deep breath let everything sink in it was international week so there wasn't a ton for us to talk about so last we did a podcast we told you all about what was going on behind the scenes when sd loyal walked off the pitch against phoenix rising and here we are jordan however many weeks later probably two weeks three weeks and that match is still in the news because the usl is still figuring out where some of the playoff matches and games are going to be played here this postseason with Phoenix rising in the conference final and potentially uh, at least could have been in line to host the championship game on November 1st. Like think about that. Like you talk about an impactful moment for reasons that we've previously discussed in terms of the stand that SD loyal took against bigotry but you know, here we are a couple of weeks later and people are still talking about that match. It's still making news here in the United States. Yeah, the USL playoffs still going on. We have four teams still left. The league made an announcement a little, little bit earlier, like you said, the, the, the match with San Diego in that final day against Phoenix, still leaving an impact with the league. Uh, you have Louisville, you have Tampa Bay in the East. You have Phoenix still alive in the West against El Paso. Um, that's where we stand. We're pretty close to the championship. And uh, we'll find out who's going to represent the West. It's either going to be Phoenix or it's going to be El Paso. I mean, the timing, it's, it's taken a little bit of time, I guess, for the league to, to make a decision on what's going to happen based on their conversations with what San Diego wants to do, what Phoenix wants to do weeks before, what Los Angeles wanted to do. A um, lot of conversations from a lot of different clubs anchored back at headquarters in Tampa Bay. I mean, this is something that's taken a few weeks and we're still getting news um, coming out, which is like you said, it's been a very impactful, that finish for San Diego loyal, um, very impactful for the league, very impactful here in San Diego. Um, and, uh, again, I mean, like, like you said, like, it's just, it's still such a big story. Like it's still so top of mind, even though it's been weeks since we were there and like saw it in person and spoke to players and executives with the clubs right there following the match. Like it's still very much top of mind, not just for me in San Diego and not just for you because we host a soccer podcast, but I, I'm all over. Like it's still such a major talking point. Yeah. I mean, and I guess we should probably bring everybody up to speed here because it does get a little confusing and it seems to be evolving. And uh, you know, there still are some repercussions here from, from what went down on that Wednesday night, right? It would have been a Wednesday night. Was it a Wednesday night or was it a Saturday night? Gosh, I don't even remember. 
We, I think I, it was a Wednesday we finished the season. I think you're right. It was a Wednesday. I think it was September 30th. I think it was, yeah, it was September 30th. It would have been when Phoenix rising leading goal scorer, Junior Flemings, uh, is uh, alleged to have used a homophobic slur towards Colin Martin. And I say that because on September 30th, it was an allegation. And since now, the league has ruled that it was Junior Flemings. It was the language that, unfortunately, uh, players had heard. He has been suspended, so he is not going to participate in the USL postseason. The coach ended up taking a totally unrelated leave of absence, which, okay. But uh, Phoenix continued on into the postseason and got through Sacramento and got through Reno. And, uh, you know, even after extra time, the, the route that it took now where it's in the conference final. Uh, when is that? That's upcoming this weekend against El Paso locomotive football club. They're doing it without their leading score. They're doing it without their coach. And uh, a point had been made that. So since there's no neutral site, you know, home field advantage was going to be a real thing here. And, you know, the conference uh, or the actual final itself, uh, Phoenix has relinquished its right to host that game because of the three points that it picked up as a result of loyal forfeiting a match. I know this gets super confusing here, but as Jeff Carlisle writes, Jeff Phoenix rising has relinquished hosting rights for the USL championship final. Given that Phoenix obtained the rights in part to the three points obtained via forfeit from SD loyal on September 30th, when loyal walked off the field. So, you know, this had been a little bit of back and forth and man, like there was, there was uh, a lot going on there. This is like a pretty heavy story. Reporters, Jeff Reuter, who's been a guest on this podcast, really, really called the league out on social media. But Phoenix ultimately did the right thing here in saying, we don't want to host this. And the league said, okay. Now there's all sorts of like FIFA rules. It's not as simple as snapping your finger. And guess what? You can make a match just disappear or you can make points just disappear. There's protocols and there's FIFA rules that govern. And this isn't some Mickey Mouse league. You know, this is a league that is, is, you know, building a reputation 10 years in that's constantly trying to grow, expand, et cetera, talking about promotion, relegation, somewhere down the road. So, you know, these things, uh, you know, they don't just happen overnight, but uh, the USL has supported Rising's decision um, and, and will honor this request that they not host the championship game. So the championship game, Jordan, will, uh, well, it'll be either in Louis City, Louisville, or in Tampa uh, for the Tampa Bay Rowdies. So it'll be in the Eastern Conference home field situation. But man, like, crazy that that you know still the ripple effects from that decision still being felt in this league today yeah i think that's an important point to make as well the three points that phoenix received in that match even though they were down three to one at halftime and just getting absolutely crushed um the reason they're willing to give up home field is because of the points they received they put them in a spot to actually host that match this isn't um it doesn't fall in the same category i guess um as junior fleming's being suspended as the coach taking an unrelated um, <laughs> okay. let's re- uh, leave let's of remember, absence. We're, we're on video now. So uh, we are actually videoing this. I don't know if we're going to put it out there for consumption, but yes, we can, we, everybody can see our facial exp- <laughs> expressions. May not clip that one, may not clip that one, Aaron. But, um, but the Jordan points they received. A, Jordan did an epic eye roll when he said unrelated, epic. <laughs> yeah, it was, guys, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> 
the, the difference there is that the points they received, that is why they would even be in position to host yeah. a championship game on November 1st. So they have taken themselves out. Um, I think that's the right move by Phoenix. I'm really glad that Phoenix did that. I think that is the right move. Um, it's an interesting time for Phoenix. Phoenix has a lot of people's eyeballs and attention right now. Um, I think the league deserves a lot of eyeballs and attention, but it seems like Phoenix has a lot of attention right now. I don't know if you have, I mean, we, you can talk about how they've gotten to this point. Like they, they got through Sacramento. They needed extra time. They needed penalty kicks to get through um, against Reno. Um, but the story for them, of course, is that Flemings isn't there. Their coach isn't there. And now the championship game um, will not be hosted coming out of the West. It's just, it's a lot of attention and it's not an easy thing to digest for me. Like I, it's, it's, it's so, there's so many, there's so much, it's tough. It's a very, it's a interesting year. Number one. Yeah. I, I would tell you this, you know, and, and again, I think this is also part of the benefit of being able to sit back a little bit and, you know, just sort of uh, absorb it all right. Is, you know, it's been three weeks since we were there at Torero stadium where this happened, we saw Colin Martin, Landon Donovan go on good morning America and CBS this morning. And this became an international news story and it was on the BBC, right? Like on and on and on it goes. And I think when you and I walked out of there and for the next couple of days afterwards, like there was pretty like, yeah, like junior Fleming's, what he said, some of this, you know, required some cultural context where he's from the sort of taboo nature of homosexuality in Jamaica, you know, not, not to make any excuses, but you know, context, I think in life, life isn't binary, you know, it's, it's never like just one of two things. And so you need a little bit of context, you know, which, which, you know, we tried to provide a little bit on, uh, on the post-match, but I think also, you know, if you would have asked me like the day after like Phoenix rising, man, fuck those guys, you know, like, and like, I would have really, from their coach, you thought that the coach must have been a tone setter inside of the organization. And I will say this, I think that from where I said, some of the rising supporters groups, you know, the banditos and the red fury, I think those guys have really managed themselves very well. And, you know, I think that that supporter culture and we're still, we had one match, right, with the locals and then towards the tail end of the year, we learned a little bit about Los Chavos and we'll see what happens in our second season. But, you know, they've been around a little while. And I will say, I think that the supporters group for Phoenix Rising has really, really handled this situation very well. And the thing that we've learned about Phoenix is while it was easy to sit and say, hey, this is a shit club and this is obviously top down, some sort of problematic situation. And these are standards that are unacceptable and yada, yada. I actually tend to believe, Jordan, that, you know, maybe there's some credit that should be given to Phoenix and some credit that should be given to some of their supporters because they themselves, I think, have been some of the most vocal um, critics of rising of the coach of junior Flemings, et cetera of the situation here. And, you know, they really do preach much like what we've heard here in San Diego with some of the mission statements from the locals is they do preach inclusivity. And I've seen a lot of rising supporters take the social media to talk about uh, them either being part of the LGBTQ community or having family members or were, or who are involved in the different supporters groups. So, you know, I really, uh, I think that they've represented their club. And the thing I've also heard from people here with loyal is, you know, like this club has done some really, really good things. Like it really has done some good things. It's great. If we have an on-field rivalry with them, gosh, we kicked the shit out of them. When we went there, we were on our way to kicking their asses again. So like we know, and that's part of it also too, for me is like, God, man, watching 
this team. And if it could just have gotten into the postseason, speaking about SD Loyal, oh man, it could be us talking about the conference finals upcoming this weekend. But, um, you know, I, I will say, you know, about as well as it could have been handled, it's been handled by, by most people with Phoenix Rising. So, you know, kudos to them, I think, on that front, from at least from where I sit, because I know immediately afterwards it was much more the, oh, to hell with that place. Gosh, what an embarrassment, on and on and on. And I think that, that you know, their supporters have, have really done a lot to, uh, to paint them in a much different light than was painted that September 30th. Yeah, um, you really hope it's a learning moment for everyone. And you hope this is something where you can look at, analyze the situation and see how we can all improve collectively yes. going forward. That's what you really want. That You want the learning moment. I, I think <sighs> Junior Fleming's moment to me, Darren, does not define Phoenix Rising. Um, we have been very upfront coming into USL. This is not a league we covered on the soccer podcast for the past six years. For the past six years, this podcast has mostly been us talking about our clubs, and our trips down to Mexico and us traveling around and our experiences as soccer fans. So this is a little bit different. USL is different. We're learning about USL still in year number one. We learned a lot this year about USL. Um, one of the things that you learned rather quickly um, way back when is that Phoenix not only was one of the better clubs in this league, but their supporters were also one of the best supporters groups that you have in this league. Phoenix is one of those clubs when we were starting this in San Diego and you, you start to visualize what it could be, it did not take very long for people to bring up Phoenix. You know, like there are other clubs yeah. that you bring up, of course, but Phoenix is one of those clubs that you bring up. You want that kind of success. Junior Flemings to me does not define that club. That moment right there does not define that club. Um, it's something you and I talked about on the field, September 30th. It probably wasn't the most important thing in the moment, but I do remember you and I talking about it. I brought it up saying, we know where San Diego loyal stands on all this. Like we know I, when I called you on the field at halftime, after I heard exactly what happened, I called you and said, they're going to like, this is it. They're not going to go back out because we know where they stand on it. They've said it. Um, we didn't know where Phoenix stood on it and we didn't know where the league stood on it. So I remember having that conversation. What is like, what, what's next? How do they respond? And I do remember saying like, initially the response from Phoenix has not been great because we saw the video from the coach and clearly what junior Fleming said, allegedly at that point now confirmed um, their response was going to be very, very important. The league's response to all of this, I thought was going to be very, very important. Um, the timing of it, I won't get too caught up in. I think it, some of this takes time to talk with all these people and make sure everything um, make sure you have everything correct. You can't just make this automatic judgment that night and all of a sudden kick Phoenix out of the league. That's crazy. Um, those moments don't, and that moment doesn't define Phoenix the same way. I guess I would say this and like, God forbid this would ever happen, but let's say in the future, like San Diego loyal are going to be around forever until we're dead. Right. Let's say at some point they have a player who says something on the field that he should not say, does that define San Diego loyal? I don't think so. I really don't because you would have, we already know what they stand for. We know what they believe and we know how they respond to this kind of stuff. If there is a moment where a player in the future does something, does that does that bring everything crashing down with this club the way that some people want Phoenix to go crashing down right now? I would hope not. I don't think it would define San Diego loyal. Maybe I'm wrong on that, um, but that's just the kind of the way I see it right now. Yeah, I agree. Now, if something like that happens next year, you really got to sort of question who that person is. Dude, where were you? Like, did you not know what this got? No, but you're right. And, you know, I think that's an important point, you know, and I think it even in speaking to people with loyal, you know, the thing that they really want most out of this is empathy 
uh, healing, uh, learning, uh, you know, like, like, you know, education, chances are oftentimes in life, you know, anybody who uh, is unfamiliar with a certain lifestyle, it's, it's you know, just because you don't have any experience with it. You know, it's a learning opportunity, like you said a little bit earlier. So I think there's a lot to that. And you can't go back and you can't change what Junior Fleming said to Colin Martin. And all you can do is move forward here. So, you know, that to me, from what I've gathered, even in just being around the people who were around a little bit from SD Loyal, like that's what they want. You know, I mean, they don't want to watch Phoenix go crash and burn. You know, they don't want to watch this whole thing unravel or have Phoenix go, hey, you know what? Uh, because of this moment, you know, we're, we're, we don't want to continue on and push on. And the post, like, you know, I, I don't think like they're competitive, you know, they want to see competition, you know, they want to uh, be able to reach out. I, I'm sure at some point they would probably love the opportunity to get together with junior Flemings and be able to show everybody, you know, that you can build bridges here in situations like this. And, you know, I would just be my guess that that's what loyal wants is, is let's heal, let's forgive, let's learn. Let's, let's make sure that we can impact as many people as possible so that we don't have situations like this somewhere down the road in the future. So, but you're right. I mean, I, I don't, I probably would have said in the 24, 48 hours after the match that this was defining for Phoenix and you're right, how they responded to it. I'm okay with some due diligence of, Oh, hold on a second. Now we're being told that this didn't happen. There are denials and, and we, we got to, you know, I think we've all been around sports enough to know the reaction from loyal told us a lot, but I'm okay with due diligence in life. There should be due diligence in life. And, you know, I think that, that Phoenix, you know, and especially Phoenix's supporters rising has, has really, you know, uh, they've shown a lot here and they've shown a lot of passion and they've shown a lot of emotion. Uh, and they certainly have shown that I, I think Jordan, that they're on the right side of this too. And, you know, I think that that's an a really, really important point to make. Yeah. And I think it's a point that Landon has done a very good job of explaining to every single outlet that has reached out to San Diego loyal to bring them on saying, we are not a club that's looking to go out and play teams and just right. get players kicked off their teams. That is not the mission. Like that is what we're doing here is trying to take these moments and learn and grow from them collectively together everyone together it's not san diego against the world in this like this is we need it the world we need everyone together on this so that's the way i kind of view it um yeah. it's still going on phoenix is still out there they could potentially be your usl champions this year they could be and you know just one other quick point and i'm just guessing because i've seen just you know a little bit of reaction and mostly on social media you know we're, we're like jordan said we're still getting used to this league you know but they're not gonna i wouldn't picture them you know, when loyal shows up there next year, if Colin Martin is part of team two, I don't think Colin Martin's going to walk in to uh, whatever the field is called in Phoenix. I don't think he's going to get booed. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they're going to be angry with him. You know, that's not what loyal, I mean, that's not what, what rising is. You know, that's certainly not the rising that I've seen that's been out there. That's been part of the conversation. That's not shying from this conversation but that is embracing the conversation like that to me is such an, it's such a, I don't know about unexpected, but it's just such a, such a welcome part of this, you know? So like, I don't think Colin Martin walks in there next year, whether he's with loyal or anybody else. And he's like, Oh, that's the guy, right? Like that's the guy that got junior Flemings. And that's the guy. 
that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? And no, I don't know that he's going to get a standing ovation, but I would much more guess that he would get that type of reception than he would be, you know, being treated and vilified and treated as, you know, as somebody who, you know, was doing damage to rising. Like they seem again, it, it's not all of the rising fans. It's just the supporters groups that I've seen, you know, they seem very, very willing to have this conversation. They want what's best for their club. They know this was unacceptable behavior. And there certainly hasn't been a lot of finger pointing from what I've seen towards Colin Martin or loyal for what happened in that match. And as a matter of fact, I remember what happened the previous week when loyal was playing at Los Dos. I remember rising specifically reaching out on social media and saying that it as a club supported Loyal's decision to try to forfeit that point away from Los Dos. I remember them reaching out on social media and saying, Hey, we got you, we got your back. And you know, that their supporters have found themselves in at least my view on the right side of this, uh, I think really speaks very well of them and I'm happy to see it. And I'm all for a great rivalry out there on the field. I can't wait. Again, I, I watched Rising go through this postseason with a little bit of envy, thinking about how that would have been Rubio Rubin and Alejandro Guido and Miguel Berry, who posted a message of, of uh, hey, see you later, and Kempin if he had been healthy. You know, like, like I think about that a lot. But obviously, uh, circumstances didn't allow us to be part of that. And uh, it's just the way it goes. And hey, let's get set for season number two. But yeah, I mean, I, I do. I, I think that, you know, trying to, to turn this into a positive, at least thus far, I think it's really worked out. Yeah, I don't think there's any progress to be made if next year Junior Flemings and Colin Martin can't even speak to each other. And it's this, it's this moment on the field where they can't even be next to each other. I think the real growth that we can have is if they're unified, you know, like they show, they show some unification there. Um, so that's, I mean, that's what I have on USL. Like you said, Louisville, Tampa this weekend, Phoenix, El Paso. El Paso beat New Mexico on penalty kicks to get to this spot. Uh, Phoenix needed extra time against Sacramento. They beat Reno in penalty kicks. So they're kind of just plugging along. Um, the, Phoenix is a club that's always really, really good in the regular season. And then when yeah. it comes down to the playoffs, it, it gets a little tricky for them. So that's what we've seen so far. We'll see how it finishes for them. But it's it's been a tricky start. That's for sure. Yeah. And these are some of the uh, the really, really well-named clubs in this league, too. I really want to see Lou City on a national stage hosting. Now, they hosted last year, but they got the new stadium. I don't know what fan support's going to look like. I'm not all that familiar with what's going on in Kentucky, although I could probably guess. <laughs> I also think Tampa Bay Rowdies, like, that's just like, classic name tampa bay rowdies rising fc and el paso locomotive football club i love that as well although i'm always somewhat torn about football clubs inside of a soccer league like the united soccer league right like major league soccer but we got a bunch of football clubs i realize that at times here in the u.s we're sort of all over the place with our terminology but you know, I still think it's that tough to are, keep up with the terminology at times. Yeah. This is sort of a, a final four of, of uh, really, really good names, good USL names as well. So uh, I don't know who it's going to be, but I think Phoenix is, is, you know, I do believe that they are fun club to watch. I do enjoy them. I haven't seen a lot of El Paso, but uh, Lou city in the final last year, Tampa Bay is as well. So uh, good on them. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. 24th, 25th. And then the final on November 1st on ESPN. Um, when I cruise around San Diego, Darren, um, I guess most recent example, I went to Walgreens the other day, I'm wearing my San Diego loyal mask. And as I'm checking out um, the cashier there says, like, I'm, 
I'm just so proud of that club. Like totally unprompted. Like I'm just wearing the mess and he sees the logo on the side. And he's like, I'm just so proud of them. Like I'm so proud that they were willing, like the word he used was brave. He's like, I'm very proud. And I'm proud because they were brave enough to stick up in that moment when most people wouldn't. Um, and I've heard that a few times now, just cruising around San Diego. And it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely something to be proud of here in town. So it's, yep. That's USL. You're number one. We'll see how it finishes. Um, you, yeah, you brought the up way, the what, terminology. What, what do you got? What a, what a year in Tampa, by the way. And they end up winning the, uh, the Stanley cup with the lightning. The, uh, the Tampa Rays are in the world series. They've got Tom Brady and uh, I'm going to go Tampa Bay rowdies just because it's Tampa's kind of year to take home the USL championship. I have no real reason for saying that other than, Hey, everybody else from Tampa seems to be winning and it seems to be a lot of fun there. So why not throw one more title their way? Cause you know, when it rains, of course. Yeah. It's a little bit different for us starting this year when you just play a small amount of clubs over and over and over again. I feel like normally I would know more about El Paso. I don't feel like I know El Paso at all. We did not yeah. see them. They were right? not in our group. Um, and normally you would at least see him a few times, but I feel like I know LA really, really well. we got a crash course with Los Dos, crash course, OC, uh, Vegas and Phoenix, of course, but El Paso, a little bit of an unknown for me. And then any team in the East, quite frankly, is an unknown for me. Um, loose city, obviously I watched the championship last year, but that doesn't make me any kind of expert on loose city or anything. And yeah. I did not watch much Tampa Bay rowdies this year. I watched a lot of our group and what was happening in San Diego. Like we were very, closed in on who that is and um now we get to kind of branch out a little bit which is nice yeah i've got two more notes on loyal then we can uh talk about your experience watching champions league on cbs sports network uh one would be a shout out to the locals podcast who had a marathon two hour plus podcast where they interviewed landon donovan people think this podcast is long. like i made it through about half of it so far so i'm going to go back and probably watch the other half but i'd like to say uh man those guys take some shots at us do they i missed this Damn, i don't i don't have two hours right now you tell me what did i miss i i heard uh i heard our guy drew talking a little bit about uh, how we would carry on, uh, and I quote, ad nauseum about Landon Donovan's outfits, how him, what he wore, and then Landon told a very good story about how the league said something to him about his clothing, like you couldn't wear jeans and a T-shirt, which is okay, whatever. But uh, Landon, I thought, was really good, really open. But yeah, they, they take a couple of subtle jabs, Jerry and, and Steve and Drew. They take a couple of subtle jabs at us. So uh, it, It's a feisty out. group over there. It's a feisty group, know. that's for sure. I, I heard it. I, I heard it. And I'm going to put it out there now. So uh, I heard what you guys had to say. Interesting. Okay. We'll just tuck that one away. We'll remember that from somewhere down the road. But nice job, boys. You got something. You got some good stuff out of Landon. Um, jeans and a t-shirt on the sidelines. Is that not a story? I feel like we did a pretty good job covering that. <laughs> I feel like everybody started talking about what Landon was wearing, but apparently we're the only ones that went on, uh, <clears throat> ad nauseum about Landon's outfit. Mm, interesting. I remember the very first match, March 7, I cruised over to the local section and I watched, I think, was it the full second half? It was the end of the first half, beginning of the second half. 
ran into a few people. The very first thing I was told is, I love when you guys talk about Landon's wardrobe. I love that we have our own manager to break down his wardrobe wow. and all of that. So we got a lot of Interesting. good positive stuff on that. Um, Interesting. And then so, my final Chip, note would be new gear. We've got, uh, I've been told that there's actually new gear. Uh, we're on a Tuesday here on the 20th. Sometime in the next seven days, Loyal's going to have some new gear out available in celebration of Dia de los Muertos which is coming up at the end of the month, sort of overlapping Halloween. But if you know anything about like the sugar skull logo, uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, if you're watching this on video, I don't know what we are or aren't going to release on video. This is sort of a dry run for us, but uh, Jordan's got the uh, Mexi Cali or Mexican bleach bla uh, beach blanket. I don't remember exactly what we called it. Mexican beach blanket in the background of, of uh, his zoom shot, but they're going to have some uh, Dio de los Muertos stuff. Uh, a hat, a shirt, a scarf. Uh, I might have snuck a peek at it. It is brilliant. And I will be refreshing the uh, SD Loyal team store page so that I can be first in line because I'm pretty sure this stuff is going to sell really, really quickly. Yeah, that thing, uh, what you're referencing, I can guarantee yeah. will be front and center of our scarf tree in year number yes. two. Oh front and God. center. It is so legit. It is, it is absolutely brilliant what they've come up with. So just be on the lookout for that, a special Dia de los Muertos themed uh, set of gear coming out here in the next week or so. Yeah. I'd be in it, like the gear at first. Good. But I've noticed a real, like yeah. a real uptick lately. Right. Like it's all, yeah. yeah. That new shop is it's fucking rad. They did a great job with it. Yeah, um, what is Darren, that? when do you post like some cryptic picture picture on social media one day? What, what, what were you doing there? Uh, An SD Loyal oh. Loco up on the side of a building and then Andrew Vasiliadis, uh, he started chiming in as well. I was like, I texted Jordan immediately. I was like, where are you? What are you doing? What, what, what is this? Dude, I didn't even know that place existed. I showed up. I was doing some stuff. I was just dropping off some equipment behind the scenes. And that's where I was told to kind of meet up. Um, holy cow, is it gorgeous? That was not my expectation. I thought I was going to a parking lot and dropping off a couple microphones and some cords and like dipping. And they're like, hey, like, you want to see the setup? And of course I do. And it's right. I mean, it's right. I took that picture from the street. Like, that's just anyone can see that cruising around. It is nice. cool. I have no idea what information is out or anything like that, but it did turn into a fun little scavenger hunt. Um, it's somewhere in Mission Valley. I'll give you that. Uh, but it is so cool seeing a building. I think the first guess was like Liberty Station because that building that it's in does kind of look like a building you would see at Liberty Station. But it's in Mission Valley. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be there. That's where their headquarters are going to be. And it's also going to be where the where it looks like where the store is going to be. So Sweet. I think I've already said that. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I really don't know what I'm supposed to and not supposed to say on that one. But. I, yeah. I saw that and I mean, that's public. That picture I posted was just, you can walk down the street and see that. And it looks good. I nice. may, I may have snuck inside the building and it looks even better. Um, but we'll leave that for later. Who knows? Maybe we'll do a podcast or 70 from there in the future. I like that. Did they build a podcast studio? We might have to wrestle the, the locals podcast to get uh, airtime in there. Apparently. Yeah. Um, well, they're doing two hour shows. Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have already put in that request. I actually hosted uh, a happy hour um, with SD Loyal season ticket members and some other sponsors and stuff. And we brought that up like right away because we talked about the new facility. And I'm like, we have to record from there. Like all the podcasts need to, right? Um, so 
I, I do hope they, they save a little bit of room in that team store, like a nice little corner, maybe a small little stage. Um, we can go down there, watch some champions league football during the day, record a podcast like and buy all the merch that's there. And, um, just sell them out every single time. I'm basic. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for that. Very, very excited for that. Um, okay. Something else I was excited for something I've never seen. This was a whole new experience for me. And I honestly, when I first heard this news, Darren, I didn't, I didn't understand how it was going to work. I didn't honestly, I didn't think it was going to work, but the Golasso channel, have you heard about the Golasso channel? I've heard about it. Uh, my understanding is that now as Champions League action picks up again today, how'd Chelsea do, by the way? Uh, that would be nil-nil in a game that was very much described as two clubs very uninterested in playing. <laughs> okay, interesting. I did not have access. My day was a total fire drill. But um, I, I've been told that Champions League coverage early on group stage was going to have – it's the Galazzo channel. Is that what you said? That yeah. uh, the way it was explained to me or the way I read it, and maybe I misinterpreted it, was it was very much going to be a red zone, like an NFL red zone whip around style channel. So CBS Sports Network isn't going to show us any individual game. They're not going to give you Manchester United PSG. They're not going to give you Barca and whoever Barca played. They're not going to give you some of the, like, the popular clubs, you know, games that you say, well, how do you pick between these four or five or six or eight games? They're just going to do a sort of whip around show and take you, uh, you know, situation by situation here and, and wherever right. the action is, they're going to, and now is that accurate? It's very accurate. And I didn't know how that was going to work. Cause I do feel like even I watched NFL red zone. That's how I consume NFL right. and really NFL red zone. I watched for about an hour, um, an hour and a half, maybe like that's my consumption there because it's the, it's the end of the morning games and it's really, really good. Um, but even then they have a tendency to really like fall behind and then try to play off that. Like, Oh, let's go here where it's maybe live. Like, and I don't know, it, it gets a little tricky for them at times. I didn't think it would be easy at all in soccer. Like, how do you, how do you bounce around in a game of soccer where even just watching highlights, like going home after when we watch an SD loyal match and you go home and watch the five minute highlight package on USL's website, you can get a much different feel uh, for a match based off of those highlights versus watching a full 90 clearly. So I didn't know how this was going to work out at all. And I will say the host Nico Cantor uh, did a very, very good job. I, I thought he did a really good job. It was pretty casual. They weren't dressed casual. It wasn't casual. Like, uh, like Steve Nash is breaking down stuff. Not that kind of casual. Um, all soccer, all soccer people and really good analysis, but like a laid back, analysis and I feel like red zone is a little bit too much host. Um, this one, they they really just dip out. Like they kind of like, all right, let's go over to United. All right, let's go over to Barca. All right, let's go to Stanford bridge. And oh. like they're now they'll show you impactful moments. Like, Hey, here's like, look at this card that just happened. Um, uh, Lionel Messi just got tackled in the box. Let's go there. So you get to see that and then you go straight to the penalty and they bounce around. It's I, I liked it. I thought it was better than I expected. It's an interesting strategy. I guess my, the way I see it is it's easier for CBS sports just to show you everyone. And if you have a team that you specifically pull for, like you're probably going to watch them no matter what. So they're probably banking on you paying that money to go watch your specific club. And then everyone else gets to say, Hey, all right, we'll give you the red zone channel just to kind of promote the product. Um, normally I would just sit down and watch Chelsea. 
Luckily, I did not do that today because that <laughs> finished scoreless. Um, and those are, I mean, I could be wrong and maybe this comes back to bite me, especially with the way Chelsea are playing. But most people consider Sevilla and Chelsea the favorites to advance out of that group. So when they were playing each other today, it seemed like they just both wanted a point and kind of moved on. I got to see the Americans from all over come in today. I got to see way more action than I normally would have seen, which I don't know. As a Chelsea supporter, I want to watch just Chelsea. But as someone knowing that I was going to do a podcast a little bit later on, I'm like, all right, let me check this out. Let me see what it's all about. I watched more Barca than I would have. Um, I watched more of the Dortmund match than I normally would have. I saw more Americans come on than I normally would have, as opposed to like watching the highlights later or seeing it on Twitter, uh, seeing their impact. I saw Coutinho score his first goal since he scored against Barca with Munich. Um, I know there was, I, I really liked the cast. I thought they weren't over the top. I don't think they pushed anyone out. I don't think they excluded any of the audience. Um, and I think it was better than I expected. CBS Sports Network. I guess they're going to do it again tomorrow, I would imagine. But Yeah, good. I, I, I mean, I think that they've overall done a good job. I mean, it's sort of hard. You know, it's funny hearing you talk about Steve Nash, who's now the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. So you're like, what was that all about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what were we doing there? Who were they? Like, who was TNT trying to – or Turner Sports trying to fool with, with Steve Nash? Like, these are real analysts at CBS Sports. You know what I mean? Like – and like, hey, listen, I'm not saying that you have to have played. I, I'm, you know, we didn't play. We're not Clearly. former professional athletes. So, you know, it's not my point. My point is like, what were we doing there with Steve Nash? Like, I don't, I don't really get that. <laughs> but um, I like CBS. And, and for me, I was just glad that I forgot to cancel my all access monthly subscription since I signed up for it. I totally forgot and uh, didn't have to do that to watch uh, Barca play against Ferenc Varos earlier today. So, uh, but I was glad to hear that went well, because I think all in all CBS is heading in the right direction. You know, they got like a real studio crew. They got real play-by-play announcers. Like it is a well put together, well thought out operation. Now I know people are going to get turned off if they're doing this whip around stuff and you might rather watch an individual match. I get it. I mean, that's just different strokes for different folks for me and uh, that there's not enough matches on. Listen, we're never going to go back to where everything was available on television. It's just not going to be that way. Uh, Whether that's ESPN plus, which this past week added the Scottish league just in time. So the old firm between Rangers and Celtic could uh, appear on ESPN plus they're getting the, the Dutch league. They've got the Dutch league. They've got Serie A. They got the Bundesliga. You know, some of the stuff were just, I don't know. I mean, I I know that, that, that you reach a breaking point where you feel like you're, you're spending so much money here just to watch. I just want to watch some freaking sports, man. But, you know, all in all, I mean, I, I really – I have to say that CBS has been a massive improvement from Turner and Bleacher Report for me. 100% I agree with you on that. Um, I never re-signed up for the CBS all-access thing because I just had a sour taste the last time I signed up for it, like a year and a half ago. I'll get to that point. I probably will sign up here soon. But I did want to check out that channel today. Um, they had a lot of high praise for Tyler Adams today. Not just the, not even just specifically to today's match or anything like that. Um, but the main host, Nico Canor did a, I mean, he, he stopped like the show completely just to talk about Tyler Adams for a while and, uh, what makes him such a great leader. Um, I guess he had a time uh, in the past where he sat down with Tyler and interviewed him and he's like, it's just so obvious what that guy brings and what he would mean and what will, what he will mean, um, in 2026. So, so yeah, that's, uh, I mean, 
I, I think I saw this from ESPN that uh, for the first time, five U.S. men's national team players appeared in the Champions League on the same day. Tyler Adams, to your point, Christian, how is it said? Pulisic, Pulisic, uh, Giovanni Reina, uh, Ethan Horvath, and Serginho Dest with Barca. So think about that. And, and I'm told, and I'm going to go back and watch this later, that Greg Berhalter, made an appearance on the pregame with CBS to talk about the, uh, the American players, the five American players who were expected to play today, just gave you their names. And, and I want to go back and I want to find that. I want to watch that uh, and, and see what Greg Berghalter uh, had to say about, uh, about the USA and about where we are with qualifying and, and what's going to happen with uh, 2022 and, and what are we going to do and how are we going to manage all this great young talent, unprecedented young talent that we have playing all across Europe right now. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's a huge positive. That makes me feel good there. And he's paying attention to what's happening over with his players in Europe. I think that's progress. Yeah. I think and that's by the good. Way, I mean, I, you and I, I, you know, we've taken a couple of swipes here at Burhalter. I will say, I don't know that my issue is necessarily with Greg Burhalter as much as, you know, I'm still, I'm still out on the process that got him. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, maybe he's going to be a perfect match for the level of talent that we have with those five players who I just mentioned and then bringing everybody else back in, right? Like we've got a lot of really, really good players. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's going to be perfect. Like maybe his philosophy is going to work, right? Like maybe it wouldn't work with a bunch of MLS guys. Maybe it's going to work with these guys in some capacity because, you know, it's somewhat rooted in a European philosophy. I don't know. I'm just sort of spitballing here, but my issue's never really been with Greg Berhalter as much as it's been about the process, you know, and, and, you know, the fact that his brother was running the show and it took forever. And they decided that Tata Martino wasn't the right guy because he didn't speak English. You know, it's, it's much more the process than it is Greg Burhalter personally. I don't know enough about him. He seemed nice enough when we met him down at the Olympic Training Center. So, you know, of course I'm going to support the U.S. coach. I have my reservations, though, about him being able to manage these kind of players because he's never done it before. And it's not a personal thing. It's just much more about the process, which is completely distasteful, which got Burhalter in there. Yeah, I mean, I have a bad taste with Burhalter because his relationship with Pulisic hasn't always been rosy and he's taken shots at Chelsea. So, like, I have – I don't understand Burhalter's approach on several things. And I'm with yeah. you. I don't agree with the with the process that led us to Greg Burhalter being our coach. Maybe he wins us the World Cup, and I'm completely wrong, but we'll see. He's like He, he needs to get the best out of his best players, and I've seen him not getting the best out of Pulisic, and then I see him taking shots at the club that Pulisic's playing for, like – I don't know. It's, it's been an interesting approach in my opinion, but the, one of the biggest stories, and I think the, the, the Golasso channel did a really good job today of was talking about the American talent. I missed that interview with Burhalter, So they did an even better job talking about it than I even had realized. Um, but it was definitely a talking point throughout what was happening, what's going on with the Americans. Um, and it was, that's what, it was another layer that made the channel a lot more fun because it was different than anything I haven't consumed soccer matches that way before. That was, that was very different for me. And I felt it was fun. It was good. It was nice to now. I mean, if you have your club playing today, like I typically I'm sitting down, I'm watching one match for 90 minutes. I get it. Um, I had reservations at first when I heard what this channel was all about. I just didn't understand how it was going to work in this sport, at least in the NFL in the red zone. Like you can see a team like inching closer to the red zone and then you can kind of casually get over there. But in soccer, like if you're end to end, like good luck, keep it up. So it, they did a much better job than I expected. 
Yeah, I, I'm like I said, I think it's a huge upgrade. I know it's not perfect. I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where, you know, you and I would sit there in the radio studios and we would have literally four different Champions League matches going simultaneously. I think that those days are probably gone. Yeah. This sounds like it was a really interesting viewing experience. And again, like I was able to just on my iPad and the pandemonium of the day that was, I was able to put up Barca and, and you know, watch it and see if anything's available later on. But it's just, uh, it's just the world we live in. So yeah, I'm glad to hear it's going well. Like I said, I, I really was impressed by their studio crew. I mean, it just mm-hmm. was such a huge upgrade from where we were with Bleacher Report. 100%. Much, much, much better. Um, Darren, I do have like one note on the Prem before we get out of here. And it's a weird time to bring this up, I guess, based on what just happened most recently. Um, I'm starting to wonder if I'm crazy to think that Tottenham are going to finish in the top four. But I, I think Tottenham are – I think they could – I'm giving them a much better chance to finish in the top four than I had going into the season. The timing of this is weird. They were just up three. They brought on Gareth Bale – it was supposed to be even more magic to a magical day and everything disappeared. I get it. Trust me. I'm a Chelsea fan. I just went through this a couple weeks ago. On the other end, we went down three, nothing. And then we had to score three goals to finish three, three. I guess I'd rather be on Chelsea's end of that than Tottenham's end, but you still get the same point. Um, I don't know. I think the top four is a little bit more open than I gave it credit for at the beginning of the season. And I think Tottenham with the amount of goals that they're actually scoring now, they need to stop. I don't know how you stop that rocket of a goal at the very end. Like that's, I don't know that what you're ridiculous. supposed to really do about that. Like that's, <laughs> that's tracking, man. So, um, I mean, if like Jose said, following the match, if Bale puts that home when he came on, uh, if he was able to score his goal, like there's your difference. And they have three points and you're looking at Tottenham saying, wow, they're off to a good start. They're scoring a lot of goals. And now Gareth Bale is going to start getting incorporated. That's, that's a pretty good recipe. And I think the top four is a little bit, it's softening a little bit. I'm not excluding city or Liverpool or anything. They're, they're finishing in the top four for sure. Um, but I think you have question marks around United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Everton. I mean, Everton's not a lock to finish in the top four. Can they? Absolutely. But they're not a lock to do so. So weird time to bring it up after surrendering three goals in a row after Bale comes home for the second time. But I, I, as much as I hate to admit it, I think Tottenham actually have a pretty good chance of finishing the top four this year. If things continue to go the way that they're going. It's interesting when you look at the, uh, the European tables, standings, whatever you want to call it. Um, Everton, Aston Villa, Liverpool, Leicester, you know, like, like in, in what universe have those four ever been top four? You look even in Spain, it's Real Sociedad, Villarreal, uh, Getafe, uh, Real Madrid, El Clasico upcoming this weekend, by the way, Saturday, 7 a.m. Uh, for anybody that wants to go watch. Very, very limited capacity at Serrano's downtown in Serrano's in Coronado, which I believe is where I'll be on Saturday. Coronado, go take that boat ride. But, yeah, just a bit bizarre. You know, you wonder if, if you know, some of the, the bigger clubs here, even when you look in Italy and, and France, I mean, it's not Juventus and PSG yet. Now all this will change, and it's October 20th, and everybody's played five times. So, you know, let's remember the class usually shows back up, especially after a longer run and a bizarre year and the international break didn't do anybody any favors. But uh, maybe it will be a, a bit of a, a topsy-turvy type season here in Europe. You know, maybe some of the, the big-time European clubs are going to struggle a little bit to get their engines turned over. It's not like we saw a ton in the transfer market, you know, in terms of 
you know, what, what will absolutely categorically change the landscape and sprinkle in unfortunate injuries there. What happened to Virgil Van Dyke is just brutal. It's just yeah. terrible to see that. Gosh, he's just one of the best players. I mean, he probably was the best player on the pitch when, you know, a couple champions leagues ago when they get through Barca and they take care of Spurs in the final. He just, I love watching that dude play. So it's such a shame. But maybe this is just going to be a bizarre year. You know, maybe it will be uh, the type of season where you know, we'll see some some unexpected names ending up in the top four or in your European placement. How does um, what's Lionel Messi getting ready for another Clasico? There was, I mean, there was a moment not too long ago where we thought like that was done. Like we're not going to get Lionel Messi with Barca versus Real Madrid. So we're going to get another episode, another chapter in that book. Where is it being played this uh, this weekend? Uh, this weekend is going to be, uh, where is it this weekend? I believe it's at Madrid. Uh, no, it's in Spain. It's in, uh, excuse me. It's in Catalonia. It's in, okay. um, it's at Barca. So yeah, it'll be uh, seven o'clock in the morning here on the West coast. So they're going to give it an early start time. Yeah. I mean the whole messy thing, it's, it's weird. You know, I, I mean, you scored today. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, this is where they had to do something. Last time they played in Champions League, they lost 8-2. So, you know, they had to come up and, and do something, even with the Classico upcoming uh, later on this week on Saturday. I'll be honest, you know, I've given this a lot of thought about, you know, life after Messi, you know, and, and like what that would be like. Because, gosh, so many fans now, like, like fans in sports, we just saw this with LeBron James. I know you're a Lakers guy, but like, there are LeBron James fans where he can play for anybody. People are like, oh, I love the Milwaukee Bucks because of LeBron James. And like we saw this when CR7 left, when he left Madrid and went to Juventus. Now, again, he's going from huge club to huge club. But part of me was kind of curious to know what life would be like after Messi. Now, well, he might not have to wait that long. Maybe he's going to leave after this year. Maybe his contract runs out and he gets to walk away for free and he goes to City and he goes back and reunites. Pep, who knows? So it's not going to be that long over, over the timeline, but I was sort of curious to know what life would be like, you know, and if you could turn this over into younger players, could this become Ansu Fati? Could this be uh, Pedri? Could this be some of their younger players, et cetera? It's not like there's no talent there, you know, and, and I think probably most people are happy that Messi remains, but there was a curiosity and, and like what fans leave with him. Right. Like, listen, I'll be the first to tell you, I, I don't know life without Messi. And so, like, what would that do? Like, now I'm not going anywhere. I, I like the club. He's not my favorite player. But like, I wonder really what life would be like. Part of me, I don't want to say that I was looking forward to it because I don't want to say, hey, let's push Messi out the door. He's the greatest player ever. Let's get rid of this clown. Nobody needs him. But I really was genuinely curious. And, you know, especially if he's going to be a dark cloud hovering over the club all season long. Right. And younger players are going to walk on eggshells around him. And, and, you know, he doesn't have Suarez there anymore. And he doesn't have some of his buddies and Iniesta long gone, Xavi long gone, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I sort of wondered like, what would this, what would this look like, you, you know, and without him, you know, it's a new page, it's a new day. And, and, you know, there's, there's tons of young talent there. And like, what would the, the support for the club be like, you know, like, what would the pain be like? Like, because for a lot of people, I don't think I'm the only person who's never really known Barca without him, you know, and, and that would have been super interesting. So anyhow, long-winded way of saying Barca is really not impressed at all, but a win against Madrid this weekend, and they certainly would find themselves in a much better position than they are today. 
in these kind of matches, what you really want is just magic, right? I mean, you're yeah. you're a Barca supporter, so you're pulling for a club as a neutral. Yeah. I just want I just want the Clasico magic, and I don't want it to be the dark cloud over Messi, and it looks like the team is struggling and sagging just because of that, because they know potentially he's on his way out. Right. I know both clubs are coming off of a loss in league over the weekend. I guess it's been a while since both clubs have lost leading into a Clasico. I just want magic. That's what I want. We're yeah. potentially not going to have many of these left. We're actually a little bit fortunate that you do have one of these with Messi still involved. Um, yeah. The Clasico is mean, still was... going to be great without yeah. Messi. No yeah. question about that in the future. But if we're going to get a few more, let, 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 let's get some, let's get some magic here at the end. Yeah. I mean, part of me was sort of sad to think about Messi, you know, parading around Spain, unhappy, dark cloud club, no good. And there's no fans, you know, like part of me was sort of sad to think about that reality. Like this could be it for him, for a player of this stature that you can't even give the guy a proper goodbye for God's sake, because you can't have people inside of Camp Nou. Right. So like part of me was sort of sad, like maybe this is the right time. Maybe, maybe, you know, the whole universe is sort of talking to Barca in this situation. Now, again, it's not like, Hey, life would be better on without him, but you know, at some point it's going to happen. And, you know, if all those sort of circumstances there were properly aligned, I think you can make a case that you know, maybe it was the right time to, to push a bit of a reset button, especially with Ronald Koeman. Didn't happen. Don't think it's going to happen in January. So, you know, who knows what the future is with elections and the president potentially under censure and there's a whole political mess going on. I mean, you think our politics in this country are screwed up. Go follow the politics of FC Barcelona. Crazy talk. But yeah, uh, I'm glad that they played well. He, you know, from what I saw, I couldn't pay a hundred percent attention to it as I'm talking about the world series and everything else. But uh, from what I saw, they looked really, really fluid. They looked everything that they were not over the weekend when they lost the Hatafe. So I was happy to see them bounce back in that regard. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I hope we get uh, some good magical moments this weekend, 7 a.m. That's early. Typically we get a little bit later start. Um, with the Classico. Usually I'm showing up at Serrano's like around noon meeting up with you guys for, yeah. for Classico, but 7 a.m., a little bit different. Get you early. Get the bloodies ready. Yeah. Sorry, my wife just walked past in the background. You're good. She was, You're making, good, sure that she, she was making sure she wasn't on camera. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Um, I think we got USL, Champions League, Prem, and even some Classico talk. How about that? I like it. Can we, should we keep like going? It. We can go another two hours if you want. <laughs> Who does a two-hour podcast? <laughs> I love those guys. <laughs> I love your name today on the uh, Zoom chat. Serginho Dest is how Darren yeah. checked into today's pod. It's very nice. Very well done. Well, I will tell um, you, I, I, uh, I cannot get rid of it. So it's, it's been there forever. <laughs> yeah. By the way, next podcast, I want to uh, jump into a topic here. I saw our man Max Bretos with LAFC tweet out how maybe we need to have a conversation about terminology in soccer. We need to have a conversation and why are we doing this in American media pitch? He seems to be very much against pitch. He seems to be very much against nil seems mm-hmm. to be very much against some of the terms that we use here on the podcast that we use on match day live all season long. I feel like there's room for a bigger conversation based on a handful of tweets from Maximiliano Bretos. Very interesting. Okay. Do we need to Americanize those soccer terms, Darren? I feel like, uh, well, we'll save it for the next pod. But that's a, yeah, we'll save it for the next pod. Yeah, give us your thoughts. I want to know what people out there, especially, you know, newer to the sport, you know, if you find yourself sort of confused, like, well, are they going to laugh if I call it a field? 
instead of a pitch. What are they saying? Yeah. Boots? Like what is, what is boots? Like, I mean, cleats, like, is it, is it cleat? Like what, you know, so yeah. I, I do wonder, you know, sort of uh, where everybody shakes out on that. I mean, I think there's room for a conversation about it, you know, especially yeah. we've got five years to figure it out before the world cup, five and a half years. Yeah. All right, my man. Well, uh, yeah. Let us know. Is there anything I, I've been pretty fluid with it. Like I kind of just call it a field. I call it a pitch. Like it's kind of just flows, but if that confuses people, um, or if that makes it sound like we're just being silly, I guess we should let us know that, but yeah, home it is road, a conversation. right. Like home road. Is it a tie? Is it a draw? Yeah. 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 There's a lot of those. Yeah. And it, yeah, there is. All right. Is it, a, is it a um, kit? Is it a Jersey? I don't know. Is it a game? Is it a match? Like what are we, what are we doing? Do you know what, uh, when someone scores four goals, do you know what that's called? I do. What? Uh, it's called, um, uh, um, what is it called? Starts with an H. A hall. A hall. Uh, my wife just poured me a I didn't always know that. I, that's something, uh, well, cheers to you, brother. Well, I was getting confused because I had the word row in my mind. Because the, the, the Max Bretos tweet was about somebody who used the term row. Got it. All right. On our way out, let us know what you're sipping. Uh, this would be a little um, Brewer Clifton Pinot Noir from Santa Barbara County. Santa Rita Hills. Sorry, just got corrected <laughs> with a quickness. <laughs> Very quick on that one. Yeah, it's, right, it's, dinner, it's dinner time over here. Yeah, peace out. Follow us on Instagram. Root for the good guys during the Classico this weekend. Everybody knows who that is. And give us your thoughts. What terms do you want us to discuss? What soccer terms do you want us to discuss? And also congratulations to whomever it was that won scarves last time for listening to that entire podcast that we did. Yes, I sent those scar I sent a scarf out. Um, hopefully the person got it. Let me know if you did it. We'll send you another um enjoy your meal darren and i will chat with you soon peace out